Welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and so happy to have you with us today. Today, we're going to get into a lot of different stories. If you missed our show yesterday, and for those of you who follow us on our Facebook group page, Frankly Speaking Sports, I apologize, but for some reason, uh, Facebook took me off for a 24-hour period Um, I'm not sure why. Supposedly they wanted to check my identity and make sure it was me because we've been updating too much sports information on a daily basis. So I guess they wanted to make sure it wasn't spam, but I guess that comes with the territory of trying to be one of the best groups in the nation. So we're back. You can go back and listen to our episode from yesterday on our page as well as Anchor FM. But what a great, great show we had yesterday. Had two terrific people. And if you missed it, we were talking about minor league baseball. We talked to Javik Blake from the Cape Cod League. He's a play-by-play announcer for the Wareham Gateman. And he talked about the effect the Cape Cod League has on the Major League Baseball draft and how a lot of people come there to play in that Premier League so that they can get drafted. And so many great players came out of that league. And we also talked to Chris Edwards, the play-by-play announcer for Duke University Baseball and Women's Basketball, and had similar conversation with him about Major League Baseball, the draft, and about the seniors who lost a year, not of eligibility, but just from an age standpoint and how that affects them going in a draft. So it was just an incredible, incredible show. Two great interviews, and I highly recommend if you have not listened to that show yet, it is back up, it is ready to be listened to, so please go ahead and do so. Now, We talked yesterday on the episode that they were going to have a meeting, Major League Baseball and the Major League Players Association, their leader, Tony Clark, and try to come up with some plans uh, about what they have to do to get the season started. And uh, Kenny Rosenthal gave us the pleasure of being on Step by Step yesterday and discussing what the actual call was all about we will start by bringing in ken rosenthal who's in new jersey ken rosenthal obviously a fox sports major league baseball expert and there's news in the major league baseball world the owners have made a proposal uh to the players union on a shortened season 82 games uh, and there's a little bit of a dispute. There seems to be about what type of revenue split uh, we're looking we're looking at between the players and the owners. Ken, what's the latest from Major League Baseball on their proposal to the players? Actually, Jason, they're presenting that proposal right now for the first time. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of reports about what is in that proposal. You can see it right there, and there's been a lot written and a lot said about what's in that proposal. But this is the first time they've actually spoken. It's a digital conversation. It's going on through Zoom or whatever. And in addition to the financial elements, the bottom thing there, protocol for keeping players safe, that is 
really the number one concern for players right now. How is this going to work? How logistically are we going to be kept safe? And not just us, but the coaches, the managers, the trainers, everyone else. And in addition to all that, what happens if a player gets sick? What happens to that team? How does this all work? So that is the first priority, the health question and settling that. And after that, you can deal with some of the financial questions and some of the other things. Though in some respects, the financial question is tied to health in that the players believe rightly so, that they're the ones taking the risk and they do not want to make any further financial concessions. Mm. You brought us to the money point and the money question. What the players suspicious of the owner's suggestion of a 50-50 revenue split. Baseball obviously has no salary cap. They have no interest in this. What do you think is the real motivation behind the owners asking for a 50-50 revenue split? Jason, I wish I knew the answer to that because, as you mentioned, baseball is the only major professional sport without a salary cap. The Players Union has been historically and strongly opposed to any suggestion of a salary cap. And when you have a straight percentage of revenue that is a quarter of the players, that in the union's mind is something that amounts to a salary cap. Now, let's go back a little bit. There was a March agreement in which the players agreed to prorated salaries for the 2020 season if it's played on a shortened schedule. So 81 game season, for instance, just let's make the math easy. Mookie Betts is making 20 million. He makes half that 10 million. That's the prorated. Now, what the owners are saying is we don't want to do that because we will lose money with no fans in the park if we pay the players their full prorated salary. That's why they suggested this revenue split of 50-50. But they had to know, in my opinion, that this would trigger the players, for lack of a better phrase. And I wonder if this is indeed a formula they think can work on a one-time basis, and that's the only suggestion here. It's a one-time basis. Or is this simply a negotiating position? You start off here, and then you get to another level that is more acceptable to the players. That was the great Ken Rosenthal. And, you know, I agree with a lot what Kenny said. And just in a recap of what Ken Rosenthal is saying is, in the baseball proposal to players, this is some of the information that was in it. Obviously, the most important part of this entire proposal and it goes without saying, it's common sense, is the protocol for keeping the players safe. I think, like Ken said, before you can even talk about money and talk about how many games and talk about whether to have the DH or not DH, although they did talk about that, we'll get that in a minute, is you gotta first have them safe. Now, you also have to understand as a society is, people are gonna get sick. I do not care if you bring baseball back in June, July, or December, which they won't bring it back in December, but I'm just using that as an example. Somebody is going to get sick. You know, think about this. People play baseball, basketball, hockey, football all the time. They get the flu. I mean, look at uh, Sam Donald. Didn't he get like mono last year? People get sick. And every time now a player gets sick 
It's going to raise people's eyebrows and they're going to say, oh, I told you so. There's never going to be a right time. We have discussed this before. There is going to be a fear factor getting professional sports back. That is inevitable. There is no doubt about it. And with good reason. There should be a fear factor. Now, if people are getting sick by the dozens, then we have an issue. But if professional sports is under this impression that they're going to go back, play sports, and not have anyone get sick, they're just fooling themselves. Don't even start the season. I'm not even an expert, and I can tell you that. The numbers game says somebody is going to get sick. Now, the key is how to keep that illness from spreading on to others. But don't they have to do the same thing with the flu? If somebody gets the flu during the baseball season, do they cancel the entire baseball season? Well, people will say, well, the flu might not be as serious as, you know, COVID-19. Sure, I'll take that. But you know what? People die from the flu. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are dying a year just from the flu. Now, in no way, shape, or form am I saying risk these players. I'm not saying that. I am very big on the safety of the players, the personnels, everybody involved in this. But if they are really going to believe there is going to be zero people that get the coronavirus once sports start back up, you're better off not starting it. You're just fooling yourself. Now, they're talking about an 82-game season. 82 games would be basically uh, just about half a season. There's 162 games during the year. So call it a half a season. Now, the owners are coming back. And this this is the problem, this 50-50 revenue plan. You know, the players are against it. They have always been against it. And I think there's a couple of fear factors here as well. I think the players think if, let's say, for this one this one year we're having extraordinary circumstance that we as players union decide to go 50-50 revenue sharing. The players are afraid it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be down the road where the owners want this as well. And I don't disagree with the players. You got to be careful with the owners. The owners only care about one person and that's themselves. That's all they care about. They don't care about the players. They care about putting money into their pockets. Now, I didn't say they don't don't care about the safety of the players because that is their employees. But what I'm saying is when it comes to money, and they only care about making that money. Now, people will say, well, Larry, the 50-50 revenue plan, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. It was only a couple weeks ago that Major League Baseball came to the Players Union, came to Tony Clark, and said, listen, we need your help. 
if we have a season, we need to prorate the salaries to the amount the games we play. For example, like Kenny said, if you're paying somebody $20 million and they're going to have an 82-game season, I think he was talking about Mookie Betts, then you pay him $10 million. Very simple math. Everybody can figure that out. But now, wait a minute, the owners say. We're finding out there's not going to be fans in the stands, or if they eventually let fans in the stands, there's going to be limited number of fans in the stands. We're going to lose money. Baseball is not going to lose money. Baseball last year made $10 billion. It was a $10 billion industry last year. Even if you took a third of the revenue away, you're still making six to seven billion dollars. Cry wolf owners. I mean, come on. You know, it's about time you take the damn greed out of the game and start doing what's right. Okay? I'm not saying, you know, I'm not going to sit here and discuss whether players get paid too much or not too much. For whatever reason, baseball is the only sport that doesn't have a salary cap. And I don't know why that is. Uh, it's never been voted on. And that probably is something down the road. But right now, when you, you know, it's kind of like these guys that sign contracts, you know. The owners get mad when a guy signs a three-year contract or a four-year contract. And they're in the middle of their contract and they want to hold out because they feel they deserve more money. And the owners go, well, listen. As a man or a woman, you sign this contract. The contract says you play for me for this many years, and I pay you this much. Well, damn it, the owners came to the players three weeks ago and said, this is the contract or this is the proposal we want to put in place for the 2020 year. If we play, we prorate your salary to the amount of games we play. So man to man, man to woman, they should live up to the agreement they set forth. And I don't understand why the owners keep having to come back. We're in extraordinary times. Right now, neither the owners or the players have anything to gain to not play. In some cases, the players have more to lose, and it's not because of salary. It's because of tenure now. They're going to be a year older next year. So if they don't play baseball this year, everybody's a year older. And in baseball, if you're not familiar with the game, that is a very big deal. We'll talk about a couple other rules right after this. And trying to make it happen in your life is not going to happen. A lot of people talked about, I want to be a success. They talk, they talk, they talk. They chatter, but they don't have the commitment in here, in your heart. A commitment and a drive to make it happen. Yes, if you're not committed 100% pursue that goal or dream, it will not happen. So it's all up to you to make sure that you have the commitment and you have that drive and desire to want to achieve what you're setting out as your goal. Yes, you can make it happen. You can make that thing become something very successful and get the achievement that you'd like. But it all starts with commitment in the heart 
the drive, and the desire. That was the great Dick Vitale. And welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I want to welcome you all back, and it's just been a great, great show so far. I'm really excited for hopefully professional sports getting back on the road here sometime in the near future. Um, For those of you that are not aware, this Sunday, NASCAR will be back. Live, no fans in Darlington, so the first race of NASCAR will be back. Now, before we went to break, we're talking about this proposal from um, Major League Baseball to the players. One of the other things, before we get into the DH, was they would have, in this proposal, states 14 teams, seven from each, or I can't say from each league because I don't know that. I don't know how they're going to separate these teams uh, geographically. So at the end of the day, I don't know if they're going to rate them, uh, you know, just the top 14 best records, what they're going to do, but it would be a 14-team format. Now that leads us to the DH, and the DH has always been a very big topic. Now, for those of you, and I know we're all baseball fans, but some people, believe it out there, do not know what a designated hit, hitter is. A DH, a designated hitter. It's basically a guy who bats for the pitcher. So in the American League, and that's only in the American League. In the American League, the pitcher doesn't hit. They have a separate guy that bats for him. And actually, obviously, when he hits the ball, he runs the bases. And then the pitcher goes back to the mound. Um, He is a player who stays in the whole game, even if the pitcher comes out, and the next pitcher does not hit when he comes in the game. Now, according to the proposal, they would go to a universal DH just for this year. Now, I got... I'm for it and I'm against it. I grew up a National League fan. For the longest time, I was a New York Met fan. And, you know, I've seen some great pitchers who could actually hit. The Tom Seavers, the Mike Hamptons, uh, just to name a few. But, you know, there's guys that, uh, these guys are athletes. And I think in the National League, when you have the pitcher hitting, from a management standpoint, there is a lot more strategy involved. I believe the National League game, you have to manage more than you have to manage in the American League because of the pitcher having to hit. Now you got to decide, do you let that pitcher go back out for the next inning or he's going to be the first hitter up next inning so you don't want to bring another pitcher in and then have to replace him because you're going to pinch hit for him the next inning. There's just a lot, a lot of strategy that goes into having the pitcher hit. Now, as far as the DH goes in the American League, which, like I said, it would be universal, it gives a lot of guys more opportunity to make a name for yourself. I mean, Edgar Martinez, David Ortiz, though David did play some first base when he had to, but those are guys that made that position a position. They, I mean, Edgar Martinez... In my opinion, the greatest designated hitter to ever play the game of baseball for the Seattle Mariners. And 
It's going to give a lot of guys the opportunity this year who normally would not play in the National League to go ahead and showcase themselves and possibly get some good contracts for next year in 2021. But, you know, I always, and anybody that knows me, uh, that knows my past, I've always wanted to be a major league manager. When people are talking about being a major league ball player, you know, at a young age, I was thinking about being a manager. You know, I got to work with Billy Martin for a little while, loved being there, loved watching the strategies. Even though it was in spring training, Billy played every game to win. I will tell you right now, and people will think I'm full of crap, but I don't care what team you put me on, I could win as a manager. You give me the worst team in baseball, I would bet anything on it within reality that I could win. I know I could win. And I will tell you, if I had a choice, I would enjoy National League Baseball. Not that I would care. Being a manager in any league is great, but it's just a lot more into it. And uh, as far as the DH go, you'll score more runs. It'll be more exciting for uh, fans. But I always thought baseball should be going on in the future when we get to 2021, 2022. I think we need to change it back. You know, if it was up to me, the whole league would not have a DH. Other people say they should have the DH. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, I've never been, you know, a lot of these guys in high school that are pitching now, today, in the major leagues, they were great athletes in high school and even in college. You know, when they didn't pitch, they were playing, a lot of them were playing shortstop because they had that strong arm. And uh, they're athletes, if, you know. But the thing is that these teams in the American League, they don't want their pitchers to get hurt. And I understand that. You pay your pitchers a lot of money, but you pay your athletes a lot of money. Look out former players like Alex Rodriguez or players of the day like uh, Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. They get paid lots and lots of money. They have just They have actually more of a chance going to the plate and getting injured uh, than a pitcher does because they're up more frequently. So, you know, it, you can go either way with this, and we can debate on this all day long about whether or not the DH should be. But going in this proposal, they would have the DH for the remainder of the year. Now, not just baseball had a meeting yesterday. The National Basketball Association... Uh, Board of Governors and Adam Silver had a call yesterday, and there is a lot of optimism growing towards a resumption of play in the NBA. Mike Greenberg yesterday, the great Mike Greenberg, had Adam Wojnarowski, uh, who follows the NBA, on his show, and he talked about that optimism. Woj, it feels like a morning filled with optimism. What more can you tell us about the message that Adam Silver had for the owners? Uh, Greeny, the, the message that Adam Silver had for the owners, yes, but the message that the owners were sharing with each other, with Adam Silver on the call, you know, which is that there's, uh, you know, there's a sense among that group 
you know, that they can keep moving here toward a return to play uh, sometime in the next, you know, beginning in the next month. And, you know, a, a lot of what the league is going to monitor here in the, in the coming weeks before they have to make a final decision, and, and they're all generally agreed upon the idea of let's wait until the last possible minute we can have all the information. You know, how does the test continue, or excuse me, how does the virus uh, continue to show itself in this country as it starts to reopen? Um, wh where is testing availability? Those are going to be questions for the league to answer. But I think there's confidence among the owners, uh, the commissioner, and, and many in the Players Association that in an isolated environment that the league can minimize risk for players and for their staff uh, who'd be a part of it. There's going to be risk uh, whether they start in the next month or whether the season were to start up again in December. And, and I think that they've all come to that realization and, and, and are starting now to move toward a return to play this season. You know, and, you know, Adam made a great point there. And we said that earlier in the episode. It don't matter when you start. There's always going to be that risk. We just want to eliminate that risk as much as possible. And, you know, in the next 30 days, I think both the NBA and the NHL are going to have to make that tough decision because if they don't decide to come back within the next couple of weeks, they might as well. And, you know, Shaq talked about it. Um, I don't remember where it was, but he babbled out that he thinks the rest of the season should be canceled. Well, I'm getting to that point as well. You know, there's got to be a point where you say, okay, this season's a wash. It's done. Let's get ready for next year and make sure we're doing everything possible so that we don't have to delay the start of next year and that we put the proper things in places. But right now, you know, what are we? In the middle of May. So it's going to be at least, if they decided today to come back, it's going to be at least the middle of June before these players get back on the court playing a regular game. And then you're talking about pretty much to August. That's if you started today and said, let's do it. The longer you wait, the longer it makes sense that the season is in jeopardy. And I think if you don't have a decision by June 1st, both the NHL and NBA, in my opinion, just need to wash out the season and say, what we lost is what we lost. Let's get ready for next year. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, topics, thoughts, things you want to talk about, you can leave a message right after this podcast. There's a quick message link. You leave your message and we'll go ahead and play it on the next episode. You can also go to franklyspeakin528 at gmail.com and you can leave a message as well and we'll answer your question on the ep next episode of Frankly Speaking. Also, follow us at Twitter if you have a Twitter account. We retweet a bunch of information and we tweet our own information as well. It's at Larry Frankis. With the U.S. at the end. Then the fastest growing sports group page. They try to put us in jail for a day. But we're out of Facebook jail now. So go ahead 
and join Frankly Speaking Sports, the latest updated sports news in the nation. And we also put all our podcasts, all our interviews on that as well. Now, we were talking a little bit about sports coming back into our society. We talked about the NBA. Uh, We got to hear about Adam Wojnarowski speak about that. We heard about baseball from Ken Rosenthal. You know, and it's not just the players going crazy right now when it comes to sports. It's not just the fans, which we are going crazy, and we're looking for anything we can find right now. Um, You know, even cartoon wrestling would be something we would all consider right now. We're at that point. But, you know, the writers and the sportscasters and the broadcasters, they're going crazy too. And there's been a couple of different situations right now in professional sports. One in the NFL and one in Major League Baseball that has really caught some of the attention. And it's bothering me a little bit. And you know how I get when things bother me. Um, The first one is Gary Myers of The Athletic talking about the relationship between Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels. Now, you know, I have a tough time here. Because, you know, Tom has done great in Boston. Tom, what he's done in the 20 years in New England is just unbelievable. Now, you know, here's a reporter that is coming out named Gary Myers and saying that there was a rift and the reason why Tom Brady left is because of his relationship with Josh McDaniels. And supposedly, according to Gary Meyer... He has a reliable source. If I was to tell you who told me that, nobody out there would question the correctness of, of what I of my report. It's that good a source. I'm sure it's true. And I do think he likes Josh. I'm not saying they hate each other. I'm just saying last year, the relationship deteriorated as the Patriot offense struggled. How many times have we seen Josh and, and Tom screaming at each other on the sidelines and they explain it away by saying, you know, they're like brothers and they're just fighting? Well, I think for many years that was true. I don't think that was true last year. And I think it was evident in, in Tom's demeanor, just his body language last year and if we all knew he was leaving we would have looked at the last year a little bit differently and his actions would have been easier to explain you know it's a tough one you know Gary here it is Gary Myers is saying I don't think they hated each other I just think the relationship deteriorated now I think last year, and I want to say this the right way, Tom Brady did not want to play in New England. He he said that. He has come out, and here's a player, why he's playing on a team, and I have nothing against Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But he specifically said, I knew last year 
that I wasn't going to play here. Basically, to, talk to me, and I could be wrong, and people can think I'm off the wall, but I think Tom Brady quit on the Patriots last year. He decided he has had enough and didn't want to play. Now, I'm not out there saying Tom purposely didn't play well. Um, I'm not saying he threw games because I don't think that's the case. I know that's not the case. That's not Tom Brady. But from an attitude standpoint, his mind was not on the New England Patriots last year. I believe that his relationship deteriorated with a lot of people on that team last year because his attitude changed. That doesn't make Tom a bad person. It, if it's a fact, it's a fact. Gary Myers says he has proof, great sources, that say that. Now, we'll get into a little bit more on that in a second. But also, yesterday or the day before, a New York Post writer pretty much uh, attacked, when I say attacked, I mean in an article, not physically, Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets. Pretty much saying that Jeff McNeil is his own worst enemy. He gets frustrated and he, um, you know, and it causes him to actually fail more than he'll succeed because of his attitude. And Jeff, I guess, read the article and Jeff was noticeably upset. I mean, Pete Alonzo came to his defense and said, don't worry about it. I know I uh, tweeted him yesterday, Jeff McNeil, I hadn't heard back, but, uh, and, you know, told him, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about what somebody writes about you. And that's just, I wrote a little bit more, but I'm not going to go into my personal conversation with Jeff. But I think people don't realize here that Athletes are human beings as well. And I'm going to say that again. Athletes are human beings as well. You know, people think it's so easy for athletes to brush things off their shoulder. You hear this, you hear that. It's part of the game. You should know what you're getting into before you get into it. It's not that easy. Especially, It's easy for someone to say that has never been there. It's not easy if you had been there and you would understand. You know, there's always going to be somebody that hates you when you're an athlete. Because it could be something as simple as there's got to be a point. If you're at a baseball game and you're signing autographs as a player, there's going to be somebody you have to say no to. Because you got to get back to doing what you do for a living. And that's playing baseball or whatever sport you play or playing football like Tom Brady does. You know... Some of these writers have nothing better to do than to look for something negative in an athlete because they believe that's what the public wants to read or listen to. It's a known fact. You know, I told you guys and those of you that know me, and I've seen reporters back in 88, when I had the pleasure of being with the Yankees and then the Dolphins, you see reporters all over the place. And you know, it's funny. Because some of these reporters, and I say some, there are some great reporters and 
great sportcasters out there that do a terrific job. So I'm not talking about every single one, but there'll be one that'll write about something uh, he may see, and I'm just using an example here. Uh, but he may see somebody sitting down talking to a, a female. You know, he'll write about that. Whereas 10 minutes after he writes the article, that same writer is in the bar sitting down talking to a female, if it's a male, or vice versa, a female with a male, whatever, whatever the case may be. The problem is, if the writers do the same thing in some cases that some of these players are doing, yet nobody cares about the writers because nobody wants to hear about the writers. They want to hear about the athletes. And for those of you people that say these athletes should just go ahead, brush it off, that's what you get. it's not that easy. People, athletes have feelings just like other people do. You know, they go out there and if you ever, if you've never seen the workout out of, of an athlete, you should. And I've seen it both in football and I've seen it in baseball. These guys work all day long at their profession. They don't just go out there, get on the field, and play a game of baseball, play a game of football. In baseball, you're starting early. Some of them are there six, seven in the morning, and they're in batting cages and doing infield drills and doing outfield drills and doing all kind of defensive different strategies. And it's just amazing the work that goes into it. Same with football players, you know. They're there, they're having two or three practices a day, plus they're lifting weights. You know, everybody thinks it's glory because they're not involved in it. When you're involved in it, you have a completely different perspective. You know, I tell people, when I was with the Yankees back in 88, they asked me, who was the most intense player on that team? And people will listen. And then we had some great players on that team. You had Jack Clark, who was a real good buddy of mine. We had Ricky Anderson. We had Don Mattingly. You had Willie Randolph, um, just to name a few. Um, Gary Ward, Mike Isla, and everyone always asked me, Larry, if there was one person you could just watch that workout, watch the intensity that you would want to teach a player, if you are a manager, to follow that individual's example, who would it be? And I did not even hesitate to answer the question. Without a doubt, Mike Pagliarulo. Mike would go in there, and you couldn't bother Mike. Mike was in such a zone. I mean, if you said something, he'd go, hey, be quiet. I'm hitting. You know, not meanly. He wasn't a rude guy, nothing like that. But he was so intense and so focused on being the best athlete he can. Now I believe he's the hitting coach um, under Don um, in, uh, in Miami, if I'm correct. But not only did he work his butt off, just so happens that hard work pays off because it wasn't many years later, I don't remember the year, he went on to the Minnesota Twins and had the privilege of winning a World Series. Hard work does pay off. So for those of you people that think these athletes don't bust their butts, you are completely wrong. And, you know, yes, Gary Meyer may have had information. Who cares? You know what? I'm sure that 
you know, I know that Josh Daniels and you don't work 20 years on and off together that long without building a relationship, just like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I'm sorry. Those guys get along. They may have gotten tired of each other after so long. Yes, but don't tell me that you don't build a, you don't play for someone for 20 years if you do not get along. And I think in this case, you know, sometimes, you know, you're just looking for a story and it's not right. I mean, I'm not saying Gary's wrong. And a lot of people are defending Gary and they're saying, hey, stick with your gun. Gary, I'm not telling you that if your sources are correct, that you are wrong. You are wrong. I'm not saying that. But I just find it hard to believe that somebody can work with someone for 20 years, have as much success as that team has had for 20 years, um, win, what, six Super Bowls together, and not get along. It's a little bit different with a player. Because you know, most players don't stay with another player for a longevity of time. But in this case with Josh McDaniels, and Tom Brady have been together so long, you know, I just find that hard to believe. And then in the Jeff McDaniels case, it's like, you know, I know the guy has an opinion. He has a right. And yes, you know, as an athlete, there's going to be times on both sides, I'm trying to look at this, where people write about you, whether it's jealous about you. I thought Jeff had a great year, and I think Jeff's going to go on to be a terrific player with the Mets, but, you know, as difficult as it is, Jeff, you're in the media market of the world. Just forget what they say. The best thing Jeff McNeil can do right now is go out and let his baseball playing do the talking for him. We'll be back right after this message. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm Larry Frank, your host, and we mentioned this earlier in the show and if you have not had a chance, I know yesterday our Facebook group page was down, our Frankly Speaking Sports page, but our um, podcast from yesterday is now up and on that, um, on that page. It is back in use. So if you didn't listen to it, you missed a great show. Two great people, Chris Edwards, um, who does play-by-play announcing for Duke University, uh, baseball and women's basketball. And then we had Javik Blake from uh, the Cape Cod League play-by-play announcer for the Wareham Gateman. And they both talked about uh, minor league baseball, the major league draft, and the impact from Chris talked about the university's perspective. And Javik got to talk about the independent summer league, Cape Cod League, which is by far the best summer league out there in baseball in the beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So it's definitely a listen to, I would highly recommend. We'll probably be um, separating those interviews in the next couple of days and putting them on our page separately. So you can actually listen just to the conversations. Um, Want to remind you this Sunday, everyone's gearing up for it. NASCAR is back in Darlington. Also, about a week ago, we had the great uh, NASCAR reporter from uh, Fox Sports, Bob Pockris, 
was on our show. That is also on our group page for your listing pleasure. You can go back and listen to this um, this great uh, interview that he we had with him. He was just tremendous. Want to remind you all that we will be back tomorrow um, talking about whatever topics that you are interested in. If you want to go ahead and contact us, do so right after this podcast. There'll be a quick message link. All you have to do is leave a message, and we'll play that message on our next episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. Also, you can go to our email address, franklyspeaking528 at gmail.com. And as always, our fastest upcoming group on Facebook, Frankly Speaking Sports. Everybody out there, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow on another episode of Frankly Speaking. Thank you.